So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the day Roger first publishes famous thesaurus. Then on Tuesday, we say happy birthday, Mr. Potato Head. On Wednesday, the extraordinary stories of the child soldiers who fought in the American Civil War. On Thursday, how King James changed the word of God. And on Friday, what did spam emails look like in 1978? We discuss this and more on Today in History with the retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Welcome to For F1's Sake, the Formula One podcast that even after a bad day at the office still extends its lead in the podcast championship. No. No? Convoluted. No. Welcome to For F1's Sake, the Formula One podcast that was once banned for life from iTunes but was later allowed back after the Venezuelan government intervened. I like that, but it's entirely dependent on you knowing about Pastor Maldonado's history before F1. Well, I think if you're listening, you probably should maybe know. Okay, all right. Welcome to For F1's Sake, the Formula One podcast whose attitude to accurate journalism makes Pastor Maldonado look careful. Nothing can make Pastor Maldonado look careful. Nothing. Even this? Even this. Welcome to For F1's Sake, the Formula One podcast that trips on its own front wing and ploughs head-on into the tyre wall of news. Nailed it. I'm Chica Ayres, and on today's show we look back at the glitchy matrix that was the Hungarian Grand Prix. Kvyat on the podium, both McLarens in the point, the end of days is surely here, but my God, it was exciting. We'll also get hitched up into the F1 rumour mill and grind the wheat of driver transfer gossip into a fine powder, so stay with us. Joining us in a central London pub is motoring journalist Phil Tromans, a man who paid good money to watch the Hungarian GP on Now TV, even though it was free on the BBC. Busy week, Phil? Oh, it's been very entertaining indeed. I've been to, uh, to Portugal to drive the new Audi R8 at the Portimao circuit, which was great fun indeed. We're also joined by designer, comedian and writer Terry Saunders, a man whose beard was once banned by the FIA as a movable aerodynamic device. Still contesting that. Terry, can you top Phil's week? Yes, I went to Ireland on a Ryanair jumbo jet, but I did board with my watch. That's one thing you can't beat. 
What, what kind of watch is that, Terry? It's an Apple Watch, if I haven't mentioned. How's oh, Apple got a watch out? Tell you what, I tried to order my watch, and the scanners they have don't have enough space for a wrist underneath, so you've got to take your watch off to scan it. It's brilliant. Sounds really practical. The future. It's the future. <laughs> What have you done fine. this week? So I've been working at Radio 1 this week where I make basically make tea all Ooh. for eight hours. How does Dave Lee Travis take his tea? <laughs> if only I knew. Oh. If only I knew. Bruno Brooks, peachy tips. And I got chips for Annie Mac. Um, How does she today. take the chips? She likes like as many chips as possible. Salt um, and vinegar? Lots of salt. Mayonnaise or ketchup? Uh, no, neither. Ooh. Not what you'd expect. Whoa, I didn't no. think that either. Cheese? No cheese? No, no, ma- no, no mac and cheese. Oh. Okay, so let's go to the race. Nobody in the world would have predicted that result. Do you know what? I will go further than that and say that my uh, Autosport League points for this week, I got 10 points. I think normally you get 20 just for predicting something. That's how unbelievable this race was. I got 15, All which right. is still pretty uh, woeful, but it's uh, better than you. I got 15 in Portugal. Uh. All right, fine. <laughs> it was a really exciting race, but I mean, yeah, the, the way things ended up, nobody expected Kvyat to be on the podium. Nobody expected either of the McLarens to get the points, let alone both of them. I don't think they, they would never have expected that. I had the race slightly ruined for me because I was in Ireland, as mentioned, and I, hadn't wa- I couldn't watch the race live, but I was going past a little shop and in the shop, the radio was on, and the ra- I, heard, I was like, I don't want to hear the results. And I heard them say Lewis Hamilton, and I was like, oh, Lewis Hamilton's clearly won from pole. But then when I watched the highlights, it kind of ruined the end because when there was three laps left and he was sixth, I was there going, how is he going to turn this round? And I realised the radio was wrong. That was the day I introduced my boyfriend to my parents for the first time and wow. brought him in. But it was literally, it was Sunday lunch. So that was literally as the race started. So they walked him in, like, sort of walking him through. But they were looking at the TV like, come in, come in, come in, sit down, sit down. And then there was silence. And I was like, so, what's going on? And they were just shouting. And uh, like, what are your intentions? Oh, my God, look at my car. They're coming through. What are your intentions? Is this, <laughs> no, do you live in Victorian that. England? <laughs> I should hope they really did ask What that. are your intentions with my daughter? <laughs> I, hope he, I hope he didn't answer. <laughs> just, I think you just look confused and upset, so. Does your boyfriend like Formula One? Yeah, but I didn't think expect my family are a bit full on, so I didn't so think were there any, expected that. Were there any kind of difficult trivia questions? Did they test him? Yeah. Good question. They should like, did have done. They say, so let, uh, let's not let's not use his name on the podcast because <laughs> that would be maybe mean. But let's say uh, his name's Michael. It's not Michael, <laughs> is it? Strong name. Strong oh, name. Oh. Mate. Did they go? So Michael um, at the Hungarian Grand Prix 1989. <laughs> what was the team that Nigel Mansell used to dummy the pass around out in centre? I think you would have cried at that. Uh, obviously, we we all know. Onyx, great move. Nigel Mansell goes one way, goes the other way, overtakes out in centre. Oh, I would oh, have introduced my parents. Murray Walker never died. Okay, so before we get too stuck in the past, let's talk about the fact that points for McLaren. Is this the start of the resurgence? No. Absolutely not. No chance. <laughs> okay, everything even they admitted that, didn't they? No, uh, I, I did hear that uh, the, the boss of Honda has clearly not been talking to the BR teams about reasonable expectations because I believe he actually came out and said we're going to be on the podium or he might have even said we're going to win the race by the end of the uh, the year and no not at all the only reason they won this is because everything went insane in Hungary Hungary's a weird circuit anyway they keep calling it Monaco without walls because it's just not like any other circuit and the only reason they did well because was because everything went bizarre Mercedes just had complete brain fade and messed everything up all the way through the race even and somehow McLaren found themselves in the points without even trying even Alonso described it as unbelievable so yeah there was no messing around yeah. I mean, well done to them, but uh, no, it's never going to happen again. If they get into the points again, maybe by the last few races of the season, but I, I will be quite surprised unless it's some sort of spawny freak of 
everybody else crashing. Give it a race or two and they'll be challenging for wins. No, that's no, still, they won't. But that's still kind of what they're saying. They're still kind of going, oh, give it a race or two. And it's just like, no, all right, no, we're not going to give it a race or two. You've screwed it up. They've had a race but, or two. We're halfway through the yeah. season. They, they've got one point up until this anomaly. Like taking your car to a mechanic and then going, oh, no, so I've never taken a car to a mechanic. What do they do? I don't know. What do they do? They just found. Where do you take your car? I haven't got a car. Oh. I can't drive. Oh, God. Oh, it's your crankshaft, mate. Get, use an old pair of tights. That's what <laughs> That's a should do. Shaft. Do you know, <laughs> Verstappen hasn't got his driving license either. Exactly. See, look how well he's doing. He does have a super license, though. Okay, so let's move on to the sort of the headline of it. Hamilton had a terrible day at the office. I wouldn't even go as far as that. I would say this was classic Hamilton. Get out your razor light T-shirts. It's 2007 again. This is Lewis Hamilton at his best. Back in the day when he'd fuck up every race going, this is what we wanted. We'd be exasperated by him, we'd love him a little bit, and then we'd throw things at the telly. This is what I like, this is what we want. It was only race day where it didn't go to plan because he'd absolutely dominated up until then. He'd had his first in all the practices, I think, nailed qualifying. If you listen to his interviews on, on Saturday evening, he was like, yeah, I feel brilliant, it's been the best day ever, everything's amazing. And uh, clearly jinxed himself and was just awful. All race. All race. It was, it was just that start. It was just the first, you know, 10 seconds that he, that he absolutely It wasn't really that. just the start, was it? I mean, it was, the start wasn't great, but I mean, I don't know whether Ferrari had a particularly brilliant start or Mercedes, because Rosberg didn't have a great start either. They both went backwards and, and Raikkonen got past as well as Vettel. But then he tried to get past Rosberg and just for some reason drove onto the grass and was surprised when he ended up in the gravel. What else happened? They just they get, clattered old Ricardo. Yeah. Well, well, did he clatter Ricardo? Yeah, now actually he did clatter Ricardo, didn't he? Did he, he outbraked himself a bit, ploughed into the side of him, although exactly. Ricardo did himself no favours in the race either by, by playing coming third. <laughs> Second, third. But he was he was bashing off drivers everywhere. <laughs> I beg your pardon. <laughs> Please. Sorry. Okay, oh, okay, well let's move on to Mercedes then. Um, Mercedes all together then had the entire crappy start that's what Toto Wolff called it a crappy day but I think this is marvellous because for the last couple of years Mercedes have been well ahead of the curve on engine development and car development they have been leagues ahead of the other teams and now they've started doing shit starts a whole two races before shit starts are mandatory because from Belgium you're not allowed to talk to your engineer about clutch settings or what kind of tea you want when you get back. In Belgium, there's going to be a whole load of shit starts. Everyone's going to start shit. But Mercedes have had two graces of practice for this. So when they have a shit start, they'll be going, yeah, we know what to do now. But can you explain that? I don't understand that they, they can't get advice before they they go off. How, how does that work? Phil? So, so, well, <laughs> as the resident technical expert here, having read a couple of articles you got a driving a while license? ago... Have you got a driving license? I've got a driving license. Oh, okay, yeah. a manual <laughs> driving license at that. My understanding, based on very little, is that... Uh, during the warm-up lap they do and maybe even before that they do a variety of practice starts which sort of lets them calibrate exactly where the clutch slip should be because they've got a very complicated clutch arrangement on the steering wheel where they let one paddle out half and then they let the other paddle out fully and then they drive off and it's all very complicated it's much more complicated than a normal road car apart from you don't have a clutch pedal but they go through all these permutations with their engineers and they fine-tune it all before the start of the race and then theoretically at the start of the race all they have to do is just do the little thing with their fingers and away they go and all everything's set perfectly up 
Now, as is my understanding, none of that happens. They basically just have to guess. And I'm hoping that we basically just, it's going to be like watching a full grid of people having their first driving lesson. And they're just going to bunny hop down the start. <laughs> uh, three or four of them are stall and just sit there with their hazards on. Okay, and they can't ask for any help. They can't ask um, for any help, so the they, team can't say to them, just a hint, do that. <laughs> what, speaking of code? Do that! Russian. <laughs> Multi-21, Through no, they can't team. do that anymore. Um, I'll be absolutely honest, I've not researched it enough to know exactly what they can or can't do. Terry, you've got a, you've got a subscription to Autosport. What's I'd the like to deal? be semi-serious for a point here. I don't think it's fair that Formula One teams design their cars to the rules given which means that the clutch settings are stupidly complicated, but in the rules they're allowed to be stupidly complicated. So they've set them up so they have to start the race with all these advice. And then halfway through, the FIA say, actually, you can't have this advice. And it's like, well, it's set up that way. It'd be like if I suddenly said, right, for the rest of this podcast, no one can use the word the. We'd be there going, um, what do you think of... Uh, 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 uh. And that's what's going to happen. Which would make for a very entertaining podcast. But in fairness, that's always been the general way that Formula One has worked, is they'll introduce some rules and they'll ban a load of stuff and the engineers will go, right, and they'll come up with a terribly creative way of getting around it. And they'll think, oh, we've done brilliantly well. And then the FIA will go, no, you can't have that. This is just a sort of another element of that, really. They, they, they've not really pushed boundaries on having clutches. I, I, I like the whole uh, ethos of putting more onus on the driver and taking less oh, away from the, the setting it all up before and just pressing a series of buttons like it's but a PlayStation. I think they should say from next year, I think to do it halfway through is a bit mean. I'm, I'm fine with it. I don't have a problem. I mean, if we're going to talk about teams, let's move on to the Force India team because somebody is going to get fired um, after Perez suspension in practice. Yeah, so somebody at the uh, the Force India autoclave where they bake all their carbon fibre was clearly came in hungover or something before this weekend because you had uh, you had in practice Perez suspension just self-destructed and sent him into a big spin and then a rather scary roll, which left him unable to remember any English in the interview afterwards, and then in the race Hulkenberg's front wing literally exploded uh, and sent his car skywards and then sent him flying into the uh, fence. So I don't know exactly what happened. But let's speculate. Well, my guess is that because Force India are in financial trouble as ever with Vijay Malia trying to get all his money out of his businesses, I reckon what he's done is he said, can you make the carbon fibre hollow and I'll stuff it with money and then when I get to uh, Hungary, I'll take the money out and I'll live a free man in Hungary for the rest of my days. Was that, was that why it looked like the, uh, the front wing exploded when it dropped off? Though I mean, there were bits everywhere. Well, I thought it was shards of carbon fibre. Was it actually just loose change? Did you see how quickly the marshals cleared it up? <laughs> they don't get paid, you know. Okay, so let's move on to the fact that Ferrari are suddenly amazing. No, they're not. Uh, I mean, in the race, they were. Uh, this, they they didn't really spawn it, did they? They were they were genuinely. It wasn't like they nipped around Mercedes at the start and then were just backing them up and then managed to be clever at the pit stops. They were driving away from them right from the start. Vettel was excellent. They did yeah. very well. No, they were great in this race, but it's hungry, isn't it? It's just one of those tracks where you, things go a bit weird. You think it might just be a quirk of the Hungara ring? So, have you got anything else to say about Ferrari? I thought they did extremely well. Vettel was. Pretty much peerless, good start, sailed away, never looked in any trouble at all. Raikkonen was actually driving really well as well. Then his car started playing silly buggers and he basically just gave up, drove into the pits and stopped the car. His entire pit crew sat around going, why, why, why have you stopped? Tried starting it up again and he went out and then he came back in and retired. And that was the end of that. I think there's a serious point here. If Monaco and Hungary and all these low, high downforce tracks fuck up all the, the, the grids so much... Why don't they mandate it so that half the races have to be low downforce, half the races have to be high downforce, and then 
not one team with one type of car can dominate the whole season. I thought then, when you said that, I, ima- I thought you meant that half the race had to be like that, so there was... Oh, and then the corners changed <laughs> yeah, with hydraulics. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this corner goes, it's now a straight. <laughs> I like the idea that they come in, they, they have one mandatory pit stop and they come in and they literally just change the front and rear wings to the high, between the high and low downforce settings. So you have the immensely complicated, really high front wing and back wing at the start, and then at the end it's literally just like a really low ironing board that they use at Monza. Or they have to change to another team's front wing. Well, it's like musical wings. Yeah. But there's only enough for all but one of them. McLaren have pulled their joker. They've gone for the Mercedes front wing. Oh. We jest, but I guarantee that Bernie Eccleston is seriously considering yes. all of these things. Let's move on to my favourite story of the weekend, which was, of course, Maldonado. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, it's a cliche to say he's the gift that keeps on giving. Considering nine penalties were given in the race and so a third. So, so he crashed into... What, what was he crashed his? into Perez. Crashed into Perez. Near the beginning. Sent Perez up in the air again for the second time of the weekend. Nice. He got speeding penalty for driving through the pit lane for a speeding penalty. No, did he? Oh, my God. Well, he came into the pits to serve his speeding penalty yeah. and speeded and sped, <laughs> yeah. spad, spad again. To yeah. be fair, you would think they go, this is the least like they're going to be watching me. You know, <laughs> this is the, if there's one point in the race I can get away with speeding, it's when I'm being done for speeding. It's like shooting small children in a barrel. And then he overtook behind the safety car. Oh, God. Just an idiot. They just forget the safety car was there. <laughs> Everyone's going slowly. I must have amazing speed now. <laughs> To be fair, though, hashtag Maldonado on Twitter during that Grand Prix was fantastic. I watched the interview with him after the race, and he's still got braces on his lower teeth, which he's had he's had now braces for like four years, which I'm presuming some kind of management said, get your teeth done, because then when you're in Formula One, you know, you'll look bling. And by the time his teeth are fixed, he is going to be out on his ass. His Venezuelan sponsorship is going to disappear, and he's just going to be in some petrol garage in Venezuela with the best teeth. Oh, those teeth are going to shine underneath the murky water. How old is he? How old is he? I don't know. Oh, probably depressingly young. I don't know, mid-twenties. You have to remind yourself as you're watching him bumbling around the track, smashing into everything and ignoring all the rules, that this is a Grand Prix race winner. When he won, uh, it was it Spain, wasn't it? Catalonia yeah. a couple of years ago. It was really good. Uh, he's clearly capable of driving really well, but he just seems to have... He make, he, 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 maybe he's better suited at Mercedes with their current brain fade thing that they've had going on after Monaco and, and the But Hungary. let's not also forget that the one time he won a race, there was a massive fire in his garage after the race. He cannot walk away from calamity. Everywhere he goes, there's God a calamity. God is angry. <laughs> yeah. He probably won, I've won the race. He wants a fag. No. <laughs> He, uh, he now has more penalties than points, I think. Don't quote me. Wow. OK, so moving away from the race, let's talk about all the news that has happened this week. I would like to talk about the transfer market because we had, what, two or three weeks since the last race and we've now got a month or something until the next race and all the motor impress has been desperately trying to fill column inches and so there's been lots of rumors about what's going to happen next year with all the new drivers there's loads of them actually let's start with Bottas who if the rumor mill is to be believed could be going to Ferrari um Kimi Räikkönen and drop him like he's hot drop him like he's hot so well, he's not hot he's the ice man he's the exact opposite of hot pick him up like he's cold oh ice is still feels hot even though it's cold oh uh, so Bottas, yeah, apparently he's going to Ferrari. Uh, Claire Williams was directly interviewed about it over the weekend. She didn't address it directly, but she did say they want to hang on to him if, she, if, they, if they can, not just her. Well, maybe, yeah. I don't know. No, I she's don't married. Know. No, well, anyway, I don't know. I find him a bit disappointing. He's really good, but uh, a bit bored by him. Well, he is Finnish, remember, so he's... Yeah. 
I but, mean, compared to Räikkönen, he's he's Frankie Howard. He's never been like, wow, look at him, wow. He's, he's one like, of those, oh, yeah, in his good. first year, it was like, my God, this guy's great. And then it was just a bit like, yeah, 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 yeah. He's up against Massa, and frankly, anyone would look good against Massa. Well, I mean, Massa, let's not forget that Massa was world champion for 35 seconds back in 2008. But... I mean, Bottas has been doing very well. That's not really true, though, is it? That's not technically true, is it? Because you're not world champion until it's ratified afterwards. So actually, that wasn't true. I hate when people say that. It's like saying they didn't elect Gordon Brown. That's not how elections work. So whatever that means, that does mean that Kimi could be out. How do we feel about this? I think he'll go off and do another random motorsport. He's already done F1 twice, rallying, snowmobile racing. He did NASCAR for a bit. I think he'll go off and... I read that karting could be on the menu. He might go back and do karting again. I'm not sure he can make a career out of it unless he does those crazy supercarts that are faster than most other forms of motorsport. But uh, I I think he'll be quite happy just doing his own thing or just even just sitting with his ever-increasing bevy of women and allegedly and drinking. So do you think he'll retire? I wouldn't be at all surprised. But do you think he will? Yes. (laughs) I think that he should quit before the season finishes, just walk out in a huff, just drop the mic, Kimmy out. Drop the steering wheel, next time he retires from a race, a race, throw the steering wheel out, walk away from the track, never come back. Like Nigel Mansell nearly did in 1990, but then he came back. So the first part of that. Monza's when it, Ferrari like to announce their next year's drivers. That's two races away, isn't it? Oh, that's yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, so that could be where Kimmy it marches It, it has been the Italians perpetrating this Bottas rumour, so... Let's see what happens. But it could mean, and there's been rumours, about Button going to Williams again. Well, if Bottas goes, they're going to need somebody. Uh, They've got one ageing driver towards the end of his career, so why not bring in another one? And it would complete the circle of life, the wheel of fortune. It would be nice for Button, after that year year in Braun and Honda, driving around with a retiring Brazilian driver, for him to relive the experience. (laughs) Well, well he, won the, he won the World Massa. Championship with well, uh, true, a retiring yeah. Brazilian driver. So It's funny, I don't know, i got a feeling that won't happen because Frank Williams, if nothing else in Formula 1, Frank Williams can fucking well hold a grudge. Button left Williams under a huge contract row. If you remember, there was a whole thing where there was like the contract litigation board. He went to Honda, BAR at the time. There was a massive hullabaloo about it, and I don't reckon that Frank will forgive him. That's not particularly unheard of within Williams, though. There have been contract shenanigans and wranglings before with Williams and drivers, and I've not heard him particularly badmouth people, but I don't know, maybe. I don't don't think that'll happen. My my thoughts are that he he might, because he's got Massa in there, who is the experience, he might want to bring in somebody a bit more, more youthful. Um, like I who? can't. Well, I mean, their, their test driver is Susie Wolf, but I can't see her getting a drive. If I'm honest. Why? Uh, simply because she's not good enough. Button has said that his place at McLaren is not secure, though. So, what could end up happening? Well, he's been quoted as saying that, but Ron Dennis has also been quoted, I believe, as saying that they want to keep him. So I don't know who's going to have the choice, really, whether Button wants to go. And frankly, after the season McLaren have had, you wouldn't blame him, but. If, if his contract said that McLaren can keep him, maybe they'll do that. But having said that, McLaren have got some options if they do want to ditch Button. They've got uh, Stoffel van Dorn, who is completely destroying everybody in GP2 at the moment. And there's uh, Kenny Kevin Magnussen, who, who we all remember from doing really well and then disappearing after a season, who might want to come back. So that's something to keep an eye on. I don't think the Button will be in McLaren next year, but I think Ron Dennis is a vindictive and he won't allow him to drive anywhere else. 
I think he'll fire him, but it'll be like, right, you've got to still make the tea. Are you <laughs> suggesting that Chica is the Jensen Button of this podcast? Well, yeah. Old. Uh, no, no the, really the, good at triathlons. Oh, And yeah, you've got yeah. a really hot Japanese wife. I do, actually, yes. Yeah. So I've, I've got written here, new team next year. The Americans are coming in the form of Haas F1. That's right. I really don't know much more than that. Yes, uh, I am going to be calling them Haas F1. I'm going to be calling them Haas Ferrari B team. <laughs> well, you could be onto something there. So, yes, Haas F1. Haas are, uh, will be joining the grid next year. And they're an American team who already have got further than the last attempt at an American team, which was USF1, which got absolutely nowhere apart from building a nose cone and then went out of business. This they, is... Hang on, hang on, I won't have that. They made a logo. They did make a logo and a nose cone yeah. and a, an empty warehouse in Carolina, I think, or and somewhere they, like that. they registered the domain name. <laughs> they said they were going to be in Bahrain, and then I think what happened was Peter Windsor, the respected journalist who was well, in charge of it, turned up and said, right, we're going to be ready for Bahrain, and everyone went, no, and that was the end of that. He used to be team manager at Williams as well, I think. Yeah. And he, uh, he was in the car with Frank Williams when they crashed. True story. Ooh. Yes, Haas F1. Uh, American team run by Gene Haas, who already has uh, a NASCAR team, uh, which he uses to promote uh, his tool business in America. And in that they- case, I think Pastor Maldonado would be an idea. <laughs> hey. So, their big idea is that F1 will do the same thing as their NASCAR team does in the US, but it'll, it'll market Haas tools to the rest of the world. Hey, when we say tools, what do we mean? I, 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 as far as I'm aware, yes. Spanners, hand tools, chisels. I feel like I'm taking the piss, but actually I probably would buy a Ford one branded chisel. I would as well. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, I'm hoping they're going to bring some, some good old American razzmatazz. Do you think Halfords will come in and try and compete? That would be amazing, but no. Well, they were in BTCC for a while, but who knows? No, I don't think they will. Yeah, so we're going to have a new team, which means there'll be two driver spaces. As you might expect, the internet is agog with anticipation as to who this might be. Uh, one name I keep seeing coming up is Jean-Éric Verne, oh. uh, formerly of this parish, or the Toro Rosso parish, uh, and he is a, a Ferrari-contracted driver, much in the same way as, uh, as the, the, the departed Jules Bianchi, who sort of hangs around in the background of Ferrari in case an opportunity comes available. Um, now, Haas are going to be using Ferrari engines, so it wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility that Jean-Éric Verne is offered a seat to sort of hone his talents because God knows he didn't spend two or three years at Toro Rosso. But it's not talents. even just Ferrari engines, is it? It's Ferrari engines, gearbox, colour facilities their logo is like a dancing horse yeah <laughs> it's a it's a jiggling pony so yeah it's going to be heavily paid for by ferrari although weirdly it was all all these deals were done and dusted before the new ferrari management came in so they might be a weird because it's before Arriv arrivabieni arrived arrivederci Stefano Dominicale when he was still boss and the other who's the, who's the main Ferrari but Luca Montezemolo Luca Di Montezemolo yeah it was when they were all in charge that they made these deals and now the whole guard has changed so I wonder if now that Ferrari are doing okay this year are they a bit sour on the deal uh, I, I see no reason why they wouldn't be because Gene has because his, his manager what's his name Munster or something the guy with the moustache Tex I don't trust him we, we've gone off track a little bit Jean-Eric Verne I think yeah, is, uh, yeah, is, is likely to be there, but uh, uh, possibly also Esteban Gutierrez, because they've already said that they want they want experienced drivers rather than American drivers. Can I drop a humdinger? Well, I'd rather you didn't, but if you can't wait, Kimi Raikkonen. No. But speaking of people leaving, there could be an opening at Lotus next season. Where Maldonado plummets to the floor. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know why they'd want to get rid of him, but I mean, the thing about Maldonado is he brings a shit ton of money with him. 
Uh, and he has won a race, so on his day he's pretty good. But it's yeah, just but it that was he has also one day in four years, whatever it is. A shit ton of money that Williams managed to turn down after a couple of years of working with him. So yeah. th there's a precedent for people going, this money isn't enough. <laughs> it doesn't even cover the bodywork. Well, actually, because there's a thing where he's got, what, nine penalty points, six penalty points this year? And I think, I think it's six. And if you get to 12, there's an automatic one-race ban. And if Lotus are struggling, there was a thing this weekend where... The Pirelli didn't give them their tyres until like an hour before free practice because oh, they, they didn't hadn't pay. paid the bill. They're in trouble. So actually, they've already budgeted all of Maldonado's money and he's fucking everything up. And if he gets a race ban, and just think how much that will cost for his logistics and blah, 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 blah. So actually, he's probably not net value doing very well for them. But surely smashing the car up is going to cost more. Exactly. That's gonna, uh, what's a front wing cost? 100 grand oh, or something uh, stupid? 40, 50 quid at least. 50 quid. 50 quid. And he's got through hundreds of them. Hundreds. Well, if he does go, who could come in? One man who has his eyes firmly on that seat is a former GP2 champion and Brit with silly name, Jolian Palmer. No, don't like him. Don't like him? Why don't you like him? Uh, his dad owns a load of circuits. His father is Jonathan Palmer, who was an incredibly boring Formula 1 driver. The most boring commentator that's ever existed. Jolene Palmer. <laughs> Jolene. <laughs> Commentates on Sky sometimes when he's not practicing. He is as boring as his dad. He is he is the most mirthless. If you imagine Jolene Palmer and Is that what Max you're calling it from now on? Jolene and Max Verstappen at a party, you'll be going like, all right, lads, where's the party at? They'll be like, oh, well, actually, I think I could have done a bit better on the FP3. Fuck them. Don't like them. They should make these young drivers have gap years where they go, right, don't drive for a year, go around, you know, meet some people, travel a bit, come back with a bit of personality. I don't give a shit how good Jolene Palmer is. He bores me. So you're begging him, please don't take that seat. <laughs> so to wrap up that section, let's have our fortnightly look at the state of F1. Terry, what have you got to say on this? I think this week's race should shows actually the state of F1 is pretty good. No, I'll take that back. No. <laughs> Formula One racing is pretty good, but the people in charge of Formula One, the state of them, means they haven't got a bloody clue. They have been moaning like a couple of jilted men at a wedding who can't... What? Where's this going? It's the I've most been tortured metaphor I've ever heard. <laughs> oh, don't get me started on tortured metaphors. My last tortured metaphor was like a womble on a ostrich... <laughs> We've had a year, two years in fact, of Bertie Eccleston, Christian Horner marrying Ginger Spice and moaning about Formula One. And actually, I just realised only this week, last year, when Mercedes won everything, Ferrari were one of the main teams going, we've got to have more engine tokens, we've got to take the fight. And yeah, of course, this they're year, always moaning bastards. Yeah, but this year, Ferrari, second best team, they've been quite quiet about changing it because they don't want, everyone's got a vested interest and just constant constant nagging about how terrible Formula 1 is and yeah there's been some boring races it's been a bit of a boring year but a race like this proves all you need is a few key ingredients and the race will be good and it annoys me uh, no end because actually although I'm a racing purist I like to think it does make me think that actually if we brought some more kind of gimmicky things into Formula 1 races would be better you're into dangerous I, I, slight, I sort of see what you're saying but I, I, I slightly disagree I think this race has shown us that when the teams don't have as much control yeah things get exciting which is why i think that the idea about we were talking about earlier about the clutches 
for the next few races is good because it's it's all about the drivers. They're more fallible. They're more like mix things up a bit. Keep them guessing. Keep them on edge. Which is why I think we should personally don't think the drivers should be allowed to talk to the pits except in an emergency. I agree. Bring it all down to them. Cut off take, the radio. Take away the ridiculous amounts of set up of every single little aspect no, of everything. I love radio chat that it's like you have to try and, listen, try and work out what they're saying. I love that. What about the drivers are allowed to talk to each other across teams? <laughs> I mean that is gimmicky and it goes against everything I believe in but that would be quite funny. Maybe one race a year. Have you ever played Formula One on a console online? Yes I have. It'll be it's like that. absolutely brilliant. It'll be like that. Taking it back to a slightly serious point what? which is not really what we do but um, I like the idea that F1 is as much an engineering and a team challenge as a driving challenge. And I don't think we should take away from that. So some of these gimmicks I don't like. But I am all for for keeping the teams getting on an equal footing with each other so that they literally have to, you know, wing it by the seat of their pants on the day rather than spend hours and hours on computer simulations and making sure everything's going to be absolutely perfect and basically just pressing a button and hoping it goes well. So it's true. I like the idea of basically putting more into, you know, they set up the car as best as they can and then on the day, right, over to the driver, that's it, you don't get anything. You, you know, you, you can be radioed to come into the pits, you can you know, be radioed if there's a crash up ahead and you need to slow down, but that's about it. What about, Gary Anderson has said that his idea for the future would be you can't bring updates to every race. You're allowed to bring updates twice a year. So your car's locked in. Is it, is it the same two races for them all? So they get to play Joker cards. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, could be. Maybe. No, maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe the maybe same. Maybe they get tokens for updates or something like that. Yeah. But but then you then you, you 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 fall into the problem of if at the beginning, like at the beginning of last year, where suddenly one team is miles away from everybody else, well, they're just not allowed to catch up until but halfway through the season. That's kind of always happened, and we've always bitched about it. Yeah, but this is my other thing. Rose-tinted glasses is Formula 1. We always bang on about how it used to be much better. If you go back and watch some older races, there are some... like there are, oh, Some of them are boring as shit. Some of them are so dark. Some of the grids were like eight seconds apart on the grid. And you the know, winners would win by like a, a lap and a half. Yeah, exactly. So there's always been dull races. There's always been good races. I think there is a way of making more good races than dull races. But I hate the way that the quote people in charge of Formula 1 use the fans as a kind of litmus paper to say oh do you know what the fans wouldn't understand if we did this or we did that and all this kind of stuff and actually the fans are perfectly capable of understanding what's going on they can't understand what's going on fuck them I watched tennis for five years not knowing what a break point was never could work it out always going it's break point again it's on the screen what does that mean right commentators never explained it five years five years difficult Oh yeah, now I also know. Google. Now I know what it is. So Terry, in your words, what is the state of Formula One? Well, if you imagine uh, a wobbly fuel gauge, full is attention wrapped at the telly, zero is I've left the room because I'm so bored, I'd say currently I'm dozing on the sofa. Okay, so in three weeks' time, we have the Belgian Grand Prix Let's look back to what happened last year. Can anyone remember? Well, because of our stunning professionalism, none of us have actually looked up uh, what happened last year. So we'll do it live on air. I think we should have a bit of a quiz. Okay. Terry, who won last year? Was it Belgium where they hit each other, the two Mercedes? He hit me. Uh, oh, yes, it was. Was that Belgium? Yes. So in that I've, case... I've not looked that up, but I'm pretty sure it was. It was I think it was Rosberg a, Yeah. Uh, no, he didn't. Was that the one Ricardo? Was that Ricardo's first uh, win? It wasn't his first win. Second win. It was second his second win. 
consecutive win because he won in Hungary as well. Oh. Do you remember? Do you remember when Red Bull won some races? And everyone thought. And now they've developed the car to the point where they're not winning races. Last year was uh, was Ricardo in first, followed by Rosberg, followed by Bottas. Uh, Rosberg, second place, increased his gap to Hamilton to 29 points. Imagine that. Ooh, I can't imagine that. Which, actually, if you transpose that to now, bodes well for Hamilton's title challenge this, uh, oh, this yeah. season. He's going to win. Every faith in the boy. I mean, Rosberg is pretty good at Spa. He's also very quick on what will be a track that suits the Mercedes engine cars because it's very, 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 very fast. Yeah, so McLaren are going to be nowhere. Absolutely awful. Renault will probably will be, also be a little Yeah, Renault will be nowhere. It's going to be all about the Mercedes cars. It'll be Mercedes, it'll be Williams. Uh, Force India, you could argue, might do quite well. And, and then, that'll frankly probably be it. And then Toro Rosso, who bizarrely just do better than Red Bull. I think this could be Rosberg's, well, not fight back exactly, but sort of start of his death throes as he tries desperately not to be buried alive by Hamilton. I disagree. I think Hamilton will come back in a grump and will nail it. That's what I was going to say, because so far this season, after every mess-up, he's pulled his socks up and in the next race really done well. So I reckon Hamilton might think about what he's done. They don't really make enough of this on the, on the telly. But all of all one has to take a holiday. They and have it's to a proper shut the holiday. They have to shut the factory down. No one can be no emails. Doing yeah, they're not allowed to check their emails apparently. And I'm just going to put it out there and go. That's a lot of pressure for a holiday. You cannot muck that booking up. We're going to have a good time. Your dad's only got two weeks off, so don't you don't you go fucking around. I haven't seen him since March, and you have a really weird relationship with him because because he's always away and, and he spends a lot more time with his Formula 1 family than he does with us Is this a window we're going to have a good time <laughs> we're going to have a good holiday in Lanzarote I don't care what you say so Hamilton is going to Lanzarote with his dad if, if I've understood your, uh, your argument no right. I was talking about just some weird mechanic but that's fine ok well because there's next to no chance of getting these things right we've handed our predictions to our producer Matt who will rip them up and make something more compelling with the results these are our predictions for the Belgian Grand Prix Taking everyone by surprise, <gasps> Pastor Maldonado but, uh, has an excellent pit stop, which means Ron Dennis hires him next year for this very reason. After a disagreement with the constructors, Button <laughs> sobs quietly <laughs> by the side of the track, which then means the interviews were conducted behind closed doors. After an awful start, Massa you know, um, will have a massive failure in his ERS unit. Oops. Resulting in a huge crash in which Button will storm out of. Okay, that's it. Thanks to Phil Tromans. Anything we didn't have time to talk about? Uh, we talked about the Haas F1 team and didn't mention Danica Patrick, and let's keep it that way. Excellent. And thanks to Terry Saunders. We didn't talk about Massa not being able to see a fucking line from his cockpit and screwed up the whole start of the race for everyone. You've ruined it for everyone, Felipe. We'll be back in four weeks. Subscribe. Feel free to tell us how wrong we are by emailing us at wrong at ff1s.com. I'm Chikarez, and thank you for listening. Sports Social Podcast Network.